Let's sit. Let's learn. Let's evolve. Let's talk. No more whispering in our minds. Today is Let's Talk Arts with your host, Rachel Sara. Today I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands on which we are broadcasting, pay my respects to elders past and present, and extend that welcome to all mob who are listening. Hello and welcome back to another year of Let's Talk Black Arts. I'm your host, Rachel Sarah, and I am excited every week to bring these conversations to you. This year, we've got some incredible guests lined up. This is a show about exploring creativity and our culture and the intersects between creativity and culture and, and politics and social justice. It's a big combination of themes that can bring some really riveting conversations and We really had some great shows last year and I cannot wait to bring you more incredible shows this year. This week is no different. We are joined by Dominique Chen and Libby Harwood and I am so excited to talk to these women about these themes that we're exploring through things like Black Laundry and just generally so excited to have these yarns and be back in the studio. So let's get into it. This episode was recorded last year but I'm so excited to bring it to you and hope you enjoy. All right, so our first question every episode is who your mob is and where you come from. So, Yama, yeah, I'm Dom uh, Chen. I'm Gamilaroi. I'm a tailor and bailey from Corindai, Wahala. Uh, yeah, grew up in Brisbane and living up in Mullaney now, Jinnabar country. Deadly. And I'm Libby Howard. I'm Nugi from Ogumpin, Kwandamooka country, and Manjaraba. And um, my family are the Campbell mob from Strati and um, now living on actually Cubby Cubby country in Cambroon and working on Jinnaburra country in Mullaney. Deadly. Now, you both obviously have incredible careers as a powerhouse duo, but before we get into that collaboration, let's talk about your individual art practices. Like Libby, I've seen your work a few times. We'll start with you. What is your art practice primarily? Um, well, my art practice is pretty multidisciplinary, really. Um, I guess I started off as a graffiti artist is probably when um, how I'd identify. And then I... Um, as I kind of got more connected with the art scene and put more energy in myself, because I used to run lots of youth programs and Mm. work with lots of our young mob and all all young people on the Gold Coast and in drug and alcohol. And then I remember the point where I was like, i got to invest in myself. And that's when I met Joanne Driesens and I connected up with awesome artists like Judy Watson, Mm. Fiona Foley, Gordon Hookie, and I started to, like, really um, look at the work that I really wanted to do. Mm. So I probably um, explain my work as still having that street style practice but being contemporary and then um, I got into the concepts behind the work more than what the work would look like. Mm. So, yeah, you can see in my already occupied series how I still have that that tendency to lean into street and I don't know, you know, what what people in the punk scene would think of, but I grew up in that era and I still think I get influenced by that too. Yeah. 
Now, your work already occupied, I've seen on many occasions, I've seen many people wearing it. What are some of the themes behind that particular work? I think um, the main thing for that was about country speaking back, Mm. I guess, and also just how we um, exist still really strong in urban contexts and also um, bringing out the way that um, blackfellas see things as we walk around the street and some of those signs and how um, I was reading them and how I know a little mob read them, I think Already Occupied just came out of that. Mm. It, It originated when I had dropped the can. And I moved, I went over to the island and I didn't take anything and I started using like mud, seaweed, um, mangrove roots to create um, probably like street art on the beach, mm. like beach art. And um, then I had to come back to the Gold Coast and I wanted to continue that practice, but I needed a way to make sure that you know, people and cars knew where to walk. So in one particular show at the walls, um, I was asked how I was going to do that and um, they, someone said road cones and instead of kind of balking at it, I was like, okay, and put a road cone next to my mud sculpture and then just realised that that was the work. Yeah, that's yeah. so deadly. And Dom, many people might consider you a bit of a triple threat as well because you're not only a practising artist, you're a researcher, you're an arts educator. Can you tell us a little bit about the work you're doing in your PhD and also part of Kaya at Griffith University? Yeah. um, Yeah, I don't know whether triple threat or triple threat to myself. You know, I spread myself pretty thin. (laughs) but yeah, I mean, I'm. I guess yeah, through through my work as and uh, teaching at Kaya, and I guess really thinking through some of the more um, conceptual and political um, aspects of Indigenous art, and yeah, the whole landscape of it. I guess I kind of think about that often, and yeah, that's just really fed into I guess what I'd probably think about expanding the the dialogue and the conversation and the possibilities around, you know, what is conceivably Indigenous art and mm. into spaces that, yeah, my, my PhD's, you know, looking at food growing and um, gardening even mm. and caring for country and reconnecting with our um, customary foods um, as art practice and mm. contemporary art practice. Um, so, yeah, I think bringing a bit of that old way purpose and reason you know the how our art practice has always been um you know back into these sort of contemporary spaces so Mm. yeah I don't know if that answers your question um yeah probably just expanded practice I guess more relational practice um things that perhaps sit outside the um you know the institution a little bit more outside the gallery Mm. um that are a little bit more tangible um and I think that's just how yeah Libby and I probably really connected really strong around that to place-based, place-specific, relational work. Mm. Um, yeah. So I was going to say, like, how did you two meet? How did this life of the the black laundry and its kind of concept come to life? Well, how did we meet? Yeah, well, we knew each other for a while, like um, back in Brisbane and 
through uni. Yeah, you know, Libby was sort of a bit involved with Griffith, I think. I think you invited me to Griffith. Yeah, I've just yeah. always been a massive fan of Libby's work and what, you know, what she does in it and um yeah and then just <laughs> Libby's just nodding like yeah my work is cool <laughs> yeah I was it's thinking true. that you know that's such a big thing when you have like uh, somebody who thinks so deeply about work is an academic is a writer is a black woman mm. and they want to converse with you about your work like which happened to me that is so was so integral to the development of my work right because mm-hmm when you can only do so much as you can yourself but Mm. to have like such a a strong black woman with good thoughts you know to reflect on yeah yeah that was my kind of nodding but yeah I think that's cool too because (laughs) (laughs) I think that's really cool too because as artists we do have a habit of going quite introspective and to sometimes have that outlet of another creative mind to bounce ideas did it come quite naturally this concept of the black laundry or was it kind of a few a few different iterations of what it could look like what does that kind of process look like um yeah that's i think that's what makes our libby and i good collaborators because it just for me anyway it comes, maybe not libby um but it comes so easily um mm. because yeah the, our relationships the foundation of our work and practice we have very similar um, ethics, I think, which is an ethics, and we're both, um, yeah, mums, um, women, you know, dealing with similar kind of experiences within the colony mm. um, and within the arts world particularly. And so I think, yeah, we just get together and we all, it just, you know, we we don't even, we make work because we're just talking and we're unloading yeah. and mm. we're venting and we're healing growing. and we're growing and we're exploring and, and that it just falls out really. Yeah. Um, but it's not easy. Like I reckon Dom's really persistent and I'm really like, you know, accepting and flexible. But like, <laughs> you know, I would lose an idea. Dom comes up with ideas and like we'd yarn about whatever and then I'd forget about it. <laughs> But Dom would just like, remember, remember we were talking, you know, kept finding all the links. Yeah. And we talked about collaborating and how important that is as women, as black women. We talk about how the um the art world is dominated by um the white world mm. and what that means for us as black women because we don't like always prescribed to that kind of superstar we love our black superstar artists but Mm. we're like critiquing that too and that I don't think they deliberately want to be superstars I think that's how the the white art world sets us up so we're like okay we got to collaborate we knew that we're already doing that and then we're like we need money and Don was like (laughs) well about six years ago I thought you know and and I saw this article that um laundromats make the best profit margins and what about a coin operated laundromat and then we just went like yeah share the load no delicate whites and we just we needed to have fun at that point. We yeah. were drained, weren't yeah. we? Yeah, really drained. And it was just a way to be generous too, that we could just take some of the load off our um, lives as well. Mm. You know, we could bring the washing in. Take like the load family. off. <laughs> yeah, take the load off, um, share the load, bring the family's washing in and do it while we're sort of working and just a way to make things easy for us, I guess, and generous and, and have fun. Yeah, yeah, like 
can be very serious sometimes and we just crack ourselves up. Well, personally. Yeah, we laughed and I don't think, like, our relationship had been so full of laughter mm. before that and we need it. Mm. Mm. I could think of other things that would have fun and laughter in it that don't include laundry, I think is one of my least favourite tasks to do. I think <laughs> I, I wash my clothes and then they stay there unfolded for a good two weeks. But tell us a bit more about the Black Laundry. So it's obviously a functioning laundromat, but it's also an art gallery or exhibition space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a functioning laundromat. People can come and, and do their washing um they become sort of like captive audience too so while they're waiting their 28 minutes um to get their washing done they need to sort of sit down and engage in the space so it's an exhibition i mean yeah i mean you could call it an exhibition space but it sort of um yeah really blurs those lines i think between a curated conscious art space and also just real life so Mm -hmm. you know we've got books laying around on you know unpacking white fragility we've got Actually, we do have a little um, installation of laundry um, detergents. We call it our A Museum of Laundry Power or Powder. Um, You know, which has got your White King bleaches and whiteners and your colour catchers. So that's a little space. Um, And then it's also a... um, I guess it's a, a business and we've been calling it our um, Blackfella Capitalism or our relational enterprise. So you can yeah. buy T-shirts, buy stickers. Um, we've also got some entrepreneurial kind of aspects to the um, to the work. Um, so we've got a rack of clothes that Mob have donated. We've got, um, yeah, maybe Libby wants to talk a little bit about our intimate washes and what we've sort of activate there. Yeah, yeah we've we got to do some more artistic development on that for this next iteration. But um, we've got intimate washes with Chelsea Watergo, which mm. is an is she's done an amazing um, t-shirt series of works talking back to um, her probably talking about talking about um another day in the colony and the stories in there Mm. and then we kind of have developed a playlist that is attached to that so if you if you purchase an intimate wash with her you also get the music chosen Bronwyn Bancroft has um donated a pair of her famous purple flares or are they green I don't know (laughs) they're green but yeah um So it's a, and, you know, the funny thing is, like, we just thought, you know, everyone would know who these people are because we just think, you know, we're the best. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And, you know, we've got Richard Bell, Gordon Hawkey, Judy Watson, um, other, who else is in there? Dylan Bolger. Yeah. Nata Reed. Um, and all got stories, you know, and we're we're opening that collection up, you know, mm. and we're we're always open for people to send an item of clothing and interesting story to the Black Laundry, so that mm. people can purchase that. And then we realised that you know people don't outside of our circle don't really know all these artists, mm-hmm. so it become an education thing as well, and to spend time. Um, with the huge contribution. Mm. But then Tom also talks about how, it, you know, we're always um, you have the cultural capital. So yeah, we see ourselves as a cultural laundering service because mm. we figure all these art institutions, you know, they kind of launder our culture, you know, to make yeah. money. And um, 
you know, turn it into capital. And so we thought, oh, maybe we could do the reverse. So if you um, purchase an intimate wash with um, Richard Bell's Dirty Old Socks, um, <laughs> you, that you can let his cultural capital, you know, wash over you, wash back into your clothing to increase the value of your clothing. Mm. Um, but also that money raise goes back into the laundry and back into supporting um, First Nations artists. And I just yeah. love that we can keep... Um, you know, um, contributions from, you know, your Judy Watsons to yeah. um, emerging artists as well that have just, you know, we cannot, because we're the curators, we're mm. the concept developers, it, it's our space. So the laundry is a space within a space. So even yeah. if we're in a gallery or wherever we are, we can control what we're doing. And so then we can, you know, bring people into that space like, yeah. like pro- properly. We we'll have to that. get from you, Ray. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm loving what I'm hearing. There's such a wide array of artists and and people who are just incredible in this industry. And I think what you're really creating with this body of work as well is it is a modern day artifact and it's like something that can be celebrated through the power of our own people rather than in these museums that kind of just have to curate it in in often ways that aren't the original idea. But by the time this episode does air, it will be uh, January 25th and you would have had it installed in Woodford, but up until this point, it has been installed in many other places. You mentioned earlier that a lot of people aren't actually aware of these incredible artists unless they're within this circle. How would you say in general it's been received by people who have kind of attended it? Well, it's kind of been a mixed bag, I think. Um, and I think the funny thing is, yeah, Libby and I, we're just being ourselves. So it's been really interesting to see different responses for that. Um, I mean, locally, we've had some people just sort of being a bit um, uncomfortable that two black women are running their own business. Um, mm, particularly how the awful. Black- I know. Yeah. <laughs> particularly called the black laundry, mm. you know. You know, people want to go to other laundries where they can, you know, um, take all colours or I don't know, whatever <laughs> whatever was sort of in their mind. But I think um, generally speaking and because of, yeah, the, the people we are and I think the generosity of the work itself when people come into the space, they can just really feel that. And I think because it's fun and because we're having a lot of fun, we can kind of say some pretty, um, like so part of it we have agitation sessions where um, we have guests presenters or speakers or agitators come in and Libby and I, um, we're not actors or performers. Yeah, we really challenged ourselves. Yeah, but we do kind of fun performative things like we play Black Laundry Bingo or we play um, Love you know, games like in the, um, you know, we play Wishy Wash Your Fab and people got, we ask, oh, you know, what about the referendum and people got to say Wishy Wash Your Fab or I don't mm. know, we just play fun games. So I think people come in and they, you know, feel the generosity, feel a lot of love that's in the space. But, mm. you know, I think that's, they definitely, I think they definitely feel a bit challenged and a bit oh, taken yeah. back as well. Because yeah. they, t- I remember like one particular um, agitation session and uh, a lot of the um, non-Indigenous audience were looking at the black fellas to see, should we laugh or like, <laughs> should, what, what do we do? But they kind of, it's like that and we're a bit quirky and we have like a word from our sponsor, settle, settler colonialism. <laughs> and we wash, um, how to wash the microaggressions out of your social fabric. <laughs> I love that. And I think for a lot of people who are aware of your work, both of you, it is quite political and you do grapple with a lot of big themes, but it sounds like this is an interesting way that you're kind of using humour in a way to kind of put people on blast in a way that's kind of like 
allowing them to still enter into these conversations. But is that something that's intentional, the use of humour, or did it just kind of come from this collaboration and your natural friendship and relationship? I think probably a bit of both. Like I think, as Libby said at the time, we actually just really needed um, a bit of self-nurturing yeah. and a bit of, yeah, to sort of laugh at these things. You know, if you're not laughing, you're crying and to mm. just sort of unpack everything that was happening, you know, um, um, yeah, the, the the funniness sort of came out of it because it's the absurdity, you know, like mm. we're, we're holding this really absurd space in a way um, but it, but we do that in a in a way that we really acknowledge the history and our histories of laundries oh. as well. So we're not doing it in a, a lighthearted way, but it's more this sort of reparative way. And mm. um, so I think um, I lost what I was saying there. You go. Yeah, that's why it's good to exactly. Like <laughs> we needed, we it, needed so it so bad. If mm. you think about what's going on in both our lives, yeah, and then like we were like so grateful that we were laughing so much we didn't even know if anyone else would find it funny yeah yeah but it is funny I think that's like one of the cool things too and you mentioned like Gordon Hawkey as well like a lot of our work that we create as blackfellas there is this idea of humor but it's kind of like inside jokes for us mob kind of paying other people out and the situation that we're in to kind of find that joy and just take back that power in a way. Now, both of your works, like I mentioned, are very political. A lot of young people have been tuning into this show because for a very long time, you know, the sense of power of creativity and art was very undervalued and not often spoken about. A lot of people would look at your work and admire not only the conceptual understanding of it, the application of it, but also the, I guess, the resistance that you both bring to the work. Is there any advice that you'd have for young people to be able to use their work in a way that stands for something other than just a visual output? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think, um, yeah, I'm really passionate about that because, again, I just think about um, creative practice, you know, in our old ways, just the, the real function of it, mm. you know, the purpose and the reason for it and, um you know, for Libby and I, and that's why, well, one of the many reasons why I love working with Libby so much too, because because we're really committed to our um, ethic um, and our ways of working more than what we do mm. and understanding that that in itself is political, mm. you know, by keeping strong to our values and um, what we want to, you know, be and see and how, you know, how we can make sure we're, yeah, grow culture and continue culture in, in how we're doing things, not just sort of the outcome as well. Um, so I think that's, you know, and that takes a certain level of bravery as well mm. because we're, as artists, and particularly if you want to get funding and different things, we're always coming up against, um, yeah, we're, we're minorities in spaces that mm. might not um, understand our processes and just want to kind of have that um, reduced outcome. So I guess for me I think it's about being brave. We've all got to put food on the table, but I think we can also trust a little bit in our ways and processes and how solid they are and important mm. they are to nurture and, and hopefully that will help carry the work um, mm. in the long run. And I think, you know, we didn't, this, yeah, the Black Laundry was just for us because it was really healing and how we wanted to work and work with community. And um, it's great that it sort of it feels like it's stirred something in someone, yeah. in people, you know. So I think just to trust that has been really good, yeah. Yeah, and probably just, I mean, for me, I want to work with mob 
most you know mostly collaborate work together support other mob mm. and i think together um working together and critiquing each other and being open to that mm. um, uh, is a really good thing for because i mean i've just been having a big debate locally about uh non-indigenous person and cultural appropriation and misappropriation of our work and i'm it's so easy to happen when you're out on your own as a black fella mm. to kind of get scooped up into this sort of thing and we should support each other on our decisions and critique each other so in a in a helpful way yeah we can to, grow together yeah make sure that um we're just watching that kind of exploitation yeah absolutely and, yeah, like you said um i'm all into having platforms for experimental uh I'll, I love it and I think we need more and more of it because with yeah. the amount of amazing material that um, we have as a people, even when we don't, when people aren't identifying as artists because mm. we don't kind of have those lines. Yeah. And you mentioned exploitation and I think that's such a huge thing that happens not only within, I guess, a, a collaborative sense from a Indigenous to non-Indigenous kind of collaboration but even within us as mob, we're still kind of that first generation in a way that has this commercial thinking and this huge spotlight coming off the back of Black Lives Matter. And I think we're all sort of navigating what that looks like and financially how we can support each other and and at what cost are we kind of selling ourselves to get funding to do this work, which is one of my favourite things about Black Laundry. It's so self-funded and you are able to have that uh, that self, you know, determination to create the work with the in the way that you want to create it. But I do want to, we have a few more questions for you. Like I mentioned, this will air on January 25th, so the eve of Invasion Day. What is it for you to January 26th? We've obviously got a spotlight on the day for so long and it is triggering every year. But what does it kind of mean to both of you and how do you mark the day? Yeah, it means a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, I think as I get probably older, in a way I sort of um, probably get quieter and, mm. and try and remove myself from the Facebook fights and yeah. all the things it stirs, everyone coming out from under their rock and, yeah, just try and, um, for me, just, yeah, go to, you know, the source of, of resource and strength and that's just culture and country and community yeah. and just to sort of be um connected in that space um yeah. yes that's that's me yeah and um yeah I was just reflecting on how um this year it's really important for me because having a gallery and um in a small community a lot of people um are saying oh what can we do for invasion day and there's some sort of expectation to carry the um Load. wide audience through that mm. but um to me the i always think um about my girl and um my niece so my daughter and my niece and i'll always um think about the march or if I can't go for whatever reason, making sure they go with their auntie mm. and just it really just means for me that my kids are um, around mob and 
learning and being together. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what we're seeing. I think there's a lot of people that are just resisting that urge, like you said, Dom, to go online and to be exposed to the hatred that is often plagued on social media. Um, but more so coming together and being around mob and celebrating us for our survival and our resilience and our strength. But for listeners who have been inspired by this conversation, where can we find your work and and are there any future showings of The Black Laundry? Well, we've got um, a little placeholder for The Black Laundry online. So, oh, oh just <laughs> Lily's like, oh, cool. <laughs> it's only talked about that oh, no, two days ago. You just looked at it, Lily. The oh. one on, um, so I've just got it oh. sitting on my walking okay. story. <laughs> <laughs> um, sitting on, yeah, if you go to walking story and you can find The Black Laundry in the projects. But, yeah, we've got big plans. We'll, we'll get a website for The Black Laundry and, because we were, we were even thinking, oh, we want to, um, we should do a crowdfunding, you know, to sort of crowdfund. Um, what do we want to crowdfund for? For what more machines? Yeah, and definitely. then we, oh no, let's do our own crowdfunding. Let's oh, even, we just take everything too far. Uh, so we're going to make our own platform and everything. And, what we're um, you can have shares by sharing in the black yeah. laundry. Um, buy shares. Yeah, airing is caring. I think we were saying. Um, oh. <laughs> yes. This is so um, good. <laughs> So yeah, eventually, um, yeah, we can we'll have a bit more presence and um, but yeah, I think I just every time I talk about when we talk in the back laundry, I just feel a really good feeling and um, feel really proud. Like it's just mm. for me, it's just pretty solid and I really love it and it, it's so generative and I think it's just going to keep um, because it's open. It's an open space and it can just keep incorporating and you know having iterations and. So I feel really good it's going to, we don't have anything. It can keep agitating. Keep agitating, yeah. yeah. And I, even though we don't have anything planned, yeah, there'll, there'll, be, there'll be things. Yeah, maybe Libby has things I don't know about. By the sound, by the sound yeah. of this conversation, it sounds like there's just going to be things that are in the works in both of your minds and it's just going to be a conversation over a cuppa and something new and deadly is going to come to life. But thank you so much for joining us and I'm sure we'll speak to you again throughout the year about this and about both of your individual art practices and collaborations and everything. But is there any final words you want our listeners to know about Black Laundry or anything? Just um, if you want to be a part of the Black Laundry in any way, like give us a call um, and because it really is about everyone and everything. Mm. Yeah. Black. And it's adaptable, can fit in a business space, an art space, um, I don't know, all different spaces. We've got the Black Laundry Facebook page too. Yeah. Yeah. Connecting. Um, and also just want to say, yeah, thanks so much, Rachel, just for having this platform. It's just awesome to oh. be able to come in and talk and share. Yes. Of course, both of you have been on my list all 2023, so I'm excited that you're going to be the first one of 2024. And like I mentioned, I'll get you both on throughout the year because I feel like we've only just touched the surface of all the incredible work you do. And as a black woman myself and creative, thank you just be like, thank you for just creating this space that you've created and the work that you continue to do and the way that you show up for us as artists and creatives is really powerful. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, sis. All right. That was our very first episode of Let's Talk the Arts for 2024. Until you hear from me next week, stay deadly. No more whispering in our mind. Let's Talk, Monday to Friday at 9am on AAA Murray Country, the National Indigenous Radio Service and iHeartRadio. 
you can catch up on AAA.org.au. Proudly supported by the Community Broadcast Foundation.